There is no guarantee for success, but there are ways to get closer to it when you do the right things. Who you surround yourself with is just as important as what you do. Finding the right people, the right classes, the right activities, and taking the right tests are all decisions that shape your future. Find out more today on Destination University with Dr. Cynthia Colon. Dr. Colon and her guests will give you the tips you need, whether you're a student, parent, or educator. Now, here is your host, Dr. Cynthia Colon. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Your competition sits next to you in class. I hate to say it, but it's true. Your application has to be better than the kid sitting next to you in math or English class, not the kid applying from some other state. No. I learned this tough lesson after a conversation with the dean of admission at a highly selective institution. The dean was passing on taking the valedictorian at Marymount in exchange for admitting the number four in the class. The ranking was not what mattered. The two students were practically identical in their academic qualities. What he said, and I'll never forget it, number one fell a bit flat. In other words, she looked and read just like any other applicant. There was nothing special about number one. On the other hand, After years, I can still recall the essay of number four. She wrote about her family and offered this image. Every week, we file in and take our seats, filling up three full rows of pews. This one sentence reveals so much about this student. I don't remember anything else about the essay, but that image is emblazoned in my head. The two students were equally involved and equally respected by their peers and teachers. But at the highly rec- competitive institutions, they were looking for just that extra something that pops off the page. Number, one, number four shown her PQs, her personal qualities, in a much more interesting in a much more interesting, engaging, and compelling way than number one did. If I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. AQs get your foot in the door, but it's the PQs that make you stand out. It's the PQs that get you admitted. The college process is not an everyone gets a trophy kind of process. No. This is not about being better than the kid from Iowa. No. This is about standing out from among the rest of the students applying from your high school. At the end of the day, you will be reviewed among your high school classmates, period. You've got to ask yourself, what are you doing today to make your application stand out? Reality check is sometimes tough to take, and that's why you have found me. Well, hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Cynthia Colon, TEDx speaker, college admission strategist, and author of the book, Be Committed, Get Admitted. Welcome to Destination University. 
We help college-bound teens create an action plan, become interesting applicants, and write essays that increase acceptance letters. We do all this through online or live group classes and private counseling. Consider me your step-by-step college admission coach and cheerleader. By being here today, you are helping to grow the community of informed families across the nation. Thank you for joining the movement. Okay. Wow. Reality check is sometimes hard to take. And that's why you have found me on this podcast. You want the whole truth and nothing but the truth, even if it's tough to take. If you haven't listened to episode 23, go back and catch that, that one. I mean, (laughs) if you thought that this story was a heartbreaker, you'll want to catch the opening story in episode 23. It still breaks my heart. So as I mentioned last week, I have been waiting to do a behind the scenes miniseries for you for quite some time now. And so part of me is bursting at the seams to tell you everything. And another part of me just feels like there are things that you should not know. (laughs) But nevertheless, last week was all about the college and what they do to craft a class each and every year. Today in part two, we are talking all things high school. Your competition is closer than you think. Today, I will cover everything that goes into your college application file and break it down for you as to the relevance And at the end, I will explain how we reviewed your application from among your school group. Be sure to stay to the end and catch that piece of this puzzle. All right, so let me begin by telling you what pieces go into your application folder. First, what you submit, your application, your test scores, your essays, and your resume. Number two, what your school submits, teacher letters of recommendation, your counselor recommendation, your transcript, and the school profile. And number three, what else goes into your file? Notes from an interview, thank you notes that you've written, things like that. Okay, so I'm going to break this down for you step by step, and we're going to start with the things that you submit. But I can tell you the really juicy part comes in the middle with what the things, the things that your school submits. So stay with me here for a second, because let's, it's first important that you understand the things that you submit and how that plays a role. Okay, so your application. So while I didn't spend much time on the mother's and father's name, you know, address section, I did breeze through it. This portion of your application gives me a context of where you live or where you grew up, um, your pa- where you went, your parents went to college, if they went to college, where they work, what kind of job they have. Context is king or queen, as I like to say, in college admissions. The truth is colleges want to understand what are your resources, your socioeconomic resources, your school resources, your community resources. The more we can understand this piece about you, the better we can review your application and what you've achieved given those resources. So 
sort of just like me, I don't think you should spend the most energy on your first pages. But like me, I kind of breeze through it. So give it some thought and really pay attention to what those questions they're asking in the first few pages. Okay, test scores. This is still part of what you submit. So unfortunately, most colleges do require test scores. And so this is part of your application. So you can catch my episode number 20 as to why colleges need test scores. And I go into much more detail about test scores there. But suffice to say, you submit your test scores, they become part of your application, and I don't have to tell you, they are part of your review process. Your resume. This portion of the application is where you get to share a bit about what you've done, what you've accomplished, the organizations you've chosen to spend your time with, says a lot about who you are, your values, your passions. It is going to reveal any leadership qualities your loyalty, your longevity, your commitment to certain organizations. I'm not saying that you should stick with something if it's not your cup of tea, but the things that matter most to you should be evident in your resume or you know your activities section. This also will include a section for honors and awards. Also should include a section for your work experience where you can list experience um, with internships or paid or unpaid jobs. Okay, so for more about this, you want to listen to episode number 18, which talks about beefing up your resume if you should need that in your life. All right, the essays. This is all still stuff that you submit. So I talk about essays all the time, like it's my thing. Um, offer essay boot camps, like the UC camp, everything I do and uh, live <laughs> and breathe right now, especially, is essays. So I won't go into detail here, but suffice to say, essays reveal the things that I cannot find anywhere else in the application about you. Okay, so I want you to remember what you do becomes your resume. That goes in your resume section. Why you do it becomes your essay so keep the why in mind. So speaking of, you're definitely invited to my free essay masterclass, which is available on my website. So you can, if you're wanting to get a jump start on your essays, you should take, a, um, you should take the essay masterclass. It's free and you can find it on my website. Also, you can catch episodes 16 and 19, which talks about essays. Okay, so let's move on to talking about your school. And this is really what I want you to hear. So if you've drifted off into multitasking or daydreaming, come back up and listen to, listen up to this section. So this has got some this has got some really good behind the scenes stuff. So you want to really pay attention here. So to review, your school submits the school profile, teacher letters of recommendation, counselor letter letter of recommendation, and your transcript, okay? So remember, I talked about resources. This is important to understand. Truth. Just like we're trying to figure out who you are and where you come from, for in, from the information you provide on page one, the mom and dad info and the address, the same is true for each school. The school profile 
helps admission officers understand the context from which you come from in regards to your school. So let me explain. The school profile is what the school says about itself. That is found, you can, you can Google this document, by the way, um, when I'm working with private clients and I need their school profile, I literally just Google um, the school's name and then attach with the words school profile and it usually pops up. Okay. I believe that this document should be made available to all families. And um, if you don't have a copy, I definitely encourage you to get one. Okay. This profile is what is sent to colleges um, by the high school. So it's the most comprehensive uh, the most comprehensive school profiles should include the following demographics, enrollment, graduation requirements, number of honors, APs and IPs that are offered at your school, a GPA or class rank distribution, the AP data listed, breakdown of test scores, including SAT, ACT, AP scores and averages. Accolades such as Blue Ribbon School, National Merit Data, AP Awards, colleges that the students are admitted to, the percent of students from your high school that attend four-year colleges, the percent that attend two-year colleges. Okay, that's just a glimpse as to some of the data that can be found on the school profiles. So, um, again, you can go, you can Google this document. You type in your school name and the words school profile, and it should come up. And if it doesn't come up, search your high school website, probably on the um, counseling page. And if it's not there, go directly to the college counseling office or the counseling office and request a copy. Okay. So I want to give you an example of how I would regularly use the profile when I was working in college admissions. So I would count up how many honors and APs were offered, or if you attend a school that offers uh, the baccalaureate, the international baccalaureate diploma. So the honors, APs, and IB courses, the number that is offered at your school. Then I would count the number of honors and APs that you had taken in the time that you were a student. In other words, if there were 10 APs offered and you took five, I would write down the number five slash 10. So here's the truth. I needed to write that down, A, so I wouldn't forget, and B, so later I could compare you to the other students from your school. I wasn't reading all of the applicants from your school all in the same day. January was filled with me reading applications that were just completed and ready for me to read so that I could be reading students from Minnesota and Florida, Texas and California, North Dakota, all in the same day. So I wrote these numbers down so that when I could later, I would need to compare you to other students from your school. So if you have three APs and everyone else applying from your school has five to seven APs, not likely that you're going to make the cut later without something very compelling in your application. Okay, got it? All right, let's talk about letters of recommendation. So your application is what you say about you 
and what others say about you. So don't discredit their words for one second. I used to remind my students not to show up late for class, especially first period. (laughs) Don't come to first period with latte in hand. No, ma'am. That is not going to be the best way that you can get a teacher to think that you're serious about school. And certainly don't ask that teacher for a letter of recommendation. So while not all colleges ask for letters of recommendation, um, so just point that out. But I want you to know what they are meant to do. Letters of recommendation are meant to verify, confirm, solidify those three things. So verify. What you say you do, what goes in your resume is typically verified by your recommenders, your counselor, your teachers. You, they will often refer to your involvement and leadership on campus, but they do so in a limited fashion, just based on what they know. So now if you have a teacher who goes to events and and goes to see you, you know, play in your in your games. That's great. But most of you have a teacher who comes to school, teaches and goes home. So I highly recommend writing one to two paragraphs to give to your teacher once she's agreed or he's agreed to write your letter. Include in those one or two paragraphs include why you asked the teacher how this is related to your overall goal or major in college, what you learned from their class, again, in relation to how that is you know, going to affect you in college. And I don't mean like you like the teacher or you liked the fun games that they played in class. I mean, what specific skill or knowledge did you learn and or what was your biggest win? My writing skills grew tremendously, and with your feedback, I went from B work uh, essay, a B work B essay, to an A minus on my final paper. Something like that. And you want, and you know, you want to conclude your note to them with a few things that you are involved in on campus. For example, if you're asking the English teacher, and you are on the literary magazine or the school newspaper, include that. If you are asking the science or math teacher, include things like math tutors, robotics, mock trial, things that are more logical and analytical. Okay, you get it? All right. (laughs) Elvis has cuddled up to me and is wanting some attention. So I'm a little bit distracted right now. Okay, getting back. Confirm and solidify. The truth is this. Once we read an application, we begin to get a picture in our heads of who the student is, what he enjoys, what does she want to do in college? How is the student viewed among their peers? What do her teammates think about her? That's sort of the picture we're painting in our heads as we read the application. So the counselor letter of recommendation helps to confirm and solidify what I'm thinking or imagining and creating in my head. And furthermore, it helps me to know if there is a complete disconnect. Let's say the student is painting him or herself out to be one thing, but when I read the letters, it seems like I'm not reading about and I'm reading about an entirely different student. That's a disconnect. 
And actually, the student is one that loses credibility. Adults tend to be believe adults. So be sure you're asking the right teachers if they can write for you. And again, I really recommend giving them one to two paragraphs so that everyone is on the same page. You want to ask your teacher, can you write a positive letter of recommendation for me? The key word here is positive. So if the teacher hesitates or declines the offer to write your letter of recommendation, don't take that personally. Well, (laughs) easier said than done, right? What I mean by that is say, okay, no worries, because you actually don't want that teacher to write for you. You want to move on to another teacher who will say with enthusiasm that they can and will write a positive letter of recommendation. All right, moving on. What else does the school submit? The school also submits your transcript. So let me tell you something right now. Even if your school says that they do not rank, I could find your GPA on the school profile. The profile often gives the GPA distribution from the prior class. And typically each class is pretty much about the same. So I could look up your GPA and sort of figure out where you fall amongst your peers. So here's the behind the scenes truth. I would recalculate your GPA based on a 12 point scale. So a 12 point being an A plus and an 11 being a straight A, etc. So just as an FYI, we did not weight the GPA. We just did a straight unweighted GPA. So why did we do that? We were comparing apples to apples. So using the grades from only the classes we were looking at and from only the school years we assessed, which was sophomore and junior years. So we would give the student every advantage possible with the pluses and the minuses. Now, don't forget, I just told you also earlier in this episode that I would write down the number of honors, AP, and IB classes you had taken in those four years, okay? So, yes, your school does submit your transcript, and then we take it upon ourselves to recalculate or reconfigure things that are, that are going to be in, our pro- in the college admission process, okay? All right, moving along. What else goes in your file? So um, I'm going to talk about the notes from an interview and thank you notes, and then some things that are sort of unwritten or unspoken. Okay, so three things in this section. So first of all, let's talk about the notes from an interview. If a college does offer interviews, you might want to see about how to get uh, on that list especially for schools that are, you know, top priority for you. So I wouldn't say to do all of them, but do some if you can. So here's a bonus tip. I would try to get an interview with a college that is farther down on your list first. So this will give you the practice you need and get all your jitters out because honestly, like, having an interview with an adult for a teenager is super nerve wracking. And I don't know many teens that uh, are excited about this opportunity. I mean, they might be excited about the opportunity, but I'm not sure too many are excited about the actual going to the interview and doing it. 
So you want to get your jitters out and practice, practice, practice talking about yourself. Again, most teenagers do not do this very well. They just um, don't know how to talk about themselves in a succinct way. And that just takes practice, takes practice and practice. So if you're going to use the interviews as part of your um, process, do get some practice on the, um, at the front end. Okay, so at Vassar, we only interviewed legacy students. We didn't have a big staff, so um, it was done by alumni. And number two, really, it did not make a huge difference in admissions, but we knew it was a good way to see if the student was really interested or if they were just applying at the request of the parent who had attended that college, had attended Vassar. Okay, so remember I talked about, you know, that before. Um, Actually, that was the last episode behind the scenes about legacy students. Okay, so the notes in the file from the interview interviewer about the interviewee, that would help um, me to, again, confirm and solidify and just to see if I was on the right track and um, to see if there was anything more that the uh, interview interviewer gleaned from the interview that I didn't catch in my notes. Okay, so that was, that was extra. All right, let's also talk about thank you notes. So for any student who wrote a handwritten note or even those students who sent an email, it was printed and then filed into the application, uh, into, into the, um, to the, the applicant's official file. So I assume that nowadays they will digitize the card and they upload it there. But listen, here's the truth. Admission officers meet students throughout the entire fall there were hundreds and possibly thousands that I would meet if I counted my recruiting season from the spring and the fall. Um, I was at school meetings. Uh, we were in uh, hotel conference rooms doing presentations. I was in family homes. Um, we were doing campus, you know, campus visits when uh, when students would come to the to actual campus. So I would come across hundreds of hundreds of students, and. I might remember a handful of them after any given recruiting season. So with a handwritten note or an email reminding me of where we met, what you're interested in, and possibly what we chatted about, I am now much more engaged in you than the hundreds I've already met, right? And just as soon as I would open the folder for us at Vassar, that thank you note or um, uh, email was placed at the very front of the of the file. I'm not sure if that was intentional or I, I'm not sure. I'm not, but I would see it as soon as I opened the file. And I loved, I just loved seeing a handwritten note or a note from a student um, to follow up on something we had talked about. I just loved it. All right, so there's the truth. So when an adult encourages, to, encourages you to write a thank you note, it's really for a reason because so few teenagers do it these days. So um, just another side note, too, you might want to know this. Uh, Not everybody can do this, but when a student or a family came to the Couts House, uh, which is the name of the the building that we were housed in in, for admissions, when they came to the mission office 
And let's say they got there late, you know, like they just didn't make it in time for the tour and the admissions information session was over. If the family said where they were from and asked to see, to say hello to their admission officer, which was me, so let's say they were from California or Minnesota or Florida or Texas, anyway, um, they're from my territory. If I was free, Maureen, who was at the front desk at the time, I think it's Jody now, um, would call my office upstairs, would call me upstairs and say, you know, hey, are you free? And if I was free, I would come down. Even Honestly, even if I wasn't free, I would make a time. I'd make two minutes to come down and say hello. So that's just a little behind the scenes truth. Nah, bonus. <laughs> okay. On, um, let's see. On that note, let's let's talk about building relationships where it's important. All right. So this is a little bonus that I wanted to share with you. So the school profile has a list of colleges where the students from your high school have attended from the last three to five years. Okay. So if you have the profile in front of you, you should be looking at it and it should list all the colleges. So if you are interested in a school that is not listed on the school profile, that tells you something. So this is what I want to say about that. I say go for it for sure. If you found a college that you love, but it's just not listed on there, all that is telling you is that no one from your school has applied or no one has attended. So be sure to read what it says on your school profile. But here's my tip for you. If it's not listed on your school profile, it probably means there's not a huge relationship with that college and that school, your school. Not completely always true, but by and large, that's what it means. So that just means that you've got to work a little bit harder at developing a relationship. So the things I just talked about, about what you can do and writing a note and sending an email, um, making it to events and meeting the person in person, that's going to help you because if that, so for me, for example, for me, if it was, I'm going to just use, um, okay, a school that one of my cousins, one of my aunts went to, um, Huntington Park High School or Southgate High School, one of those schools in that area, those were not schools that I visited uh, in my travels to California. So I'm going to guess, not likely, is Vassar found on the school profile for either of those schools. But if a student from that school made an effort to see me or meet me at one of the events or hotels or conferences that I was having or get to a NACAC fair and see me at my booth, that's going to be that's going to go a long way. And then follow that up with the the note. I mean, it's going to take some effort, but it's definitely worth it um, if you don't find a college that you are interested in on your school profile, make efforts to build a relationship. Okay. (laughs) Well, so we're finally to the good stuff. I'm going to share with you how your application is reviewed as a school group. Okay. I don't think many people completely understand or know this, but um, as I've mentioned before, in January, I would read applications. We all did. We were all reading, 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 reading all the time. And my, I have a number of states that was, I was in charge of. So I was reading applicants from different places all the time. But when it came time to actual committee, then I would 
uh, it would say on the list, like, um, today is Cynthia and um, we're going to be doing California. So I would, um, the files were prepared for me uh, in alpha order by school and then alpha order by student within the school. So basically, after I had written, read all the um, applications from Isleta High School or Torrey Pines High School or Brentwood or Palo Alto, I scored the Blake School in Minnesota, Minneapolis, um, St. Andrews in Boca Raton, whatever it was, whenever it was time for that school to be presented, I presented all of the students from that school. And after each student's presentation, short presentation, based on my notes, then we would vote red, yellow, or green on each applicant. Now, as I mentioned before, because they were stacked in a school group, we might get to file number, you know, um, 12, which was like some student with a last name of S. And we might think, oh gosh, we, we just voted green on that, on that number, on that 12th applicant. But Actually, we voted yellow on this an application we voted you know earlier, and actually that student seems to be a little bit uh, uh, more qualified or more compelling than 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 another. So we would be able to kind of sh- uh, switch around and shuffle and go back and make sure we were doing uh, we were making appropriate decisions for that school. Now, here's the other thing that you need to know at schools like Vassar, so not every school, but we were a, a selective institution. So we had the luxury of choosing from among which, you know, the students who applied. So from among students who applied, let's say there were 15 applications from Isleta High School. We weren't going to take all of them, but let's say that their class ranking ranged from uh, class rank number four to class rank number, you know, for sake of a, a number, like, you know, 34, four to 34, okay, in those 15 applicants. So we might take number four, number eight, and number 15. um, And as long as it made sense to us, we were going to sort of look at, you know, all the applicants, but we were going to take the ones that were best suited for us and were most compelling in our pool, okay? So just so you understand, just because... um, students that were ranked number four to number 15, we were just going to take those kids and anything below 15, we weren't going to take. That's really not how it worked. Okay. So we were looking holistically at each applicant from amongst that school group and making sure that holistically from that school group that our decisions made sense for those students and they made sense for our priorities as an institution. And again, to understand the priorities of a school, a college, you want to listen to episode 23. All right? Okay. So that all being said, <clears throat> I want to loop back to the story I started with. Um, the students who were applying from Marymount, when I was having a conversation with that dean, um, and he, they were going to be passing on student ranked number one in our class, but taking the student ranked number four in our class. And I say rank loosely because we didn't really rank, but the fourth highest GPA. Well, what I just explained to you is exactly what happened. That school has the luxury of taking a variety of students that fit and feel most compelling to that college And so it doesn't always work out that just because you're number one in your class means that you're going to get all of the 
acceptance letters. And does same goes true for just because you're ranked number 10 or number 15 doesn't mean you're not going to get that acceptance letter. So it just all comes back to fit. So again, these three episodes are meant to sort of go hand in hand together, this little mini series. So really listen to all three of them together so that you understand how this all works. Okay. All right. So, um, what else did I want to say? Yes. <laughs> A reminder, AQs get your foot in the door, but your PQs get you admitted. And where do I find your PQs, your personal qualities? I find them in your essays. So, okay. Um, let's see. I wanted to give you a, just a little bit of the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Okay. So I want to tell you, I want to give a shout out to my schools that I once read for because some of the most compelling applicants came from these schools and that's why I remember them. So I kind of mentioned them earlier, but I'll, it's worth saying again. So big shout out to Tory Pines High School in San Diego, Isleta High School in El Paso, Palo Alto High School in Palo Alto, the Blake School in Minneapolis, Brentwood School in Los Angeles, and St. Andrews in Boca Raton. So thank you for honoring me with your applications. All right. So now you understand the green, the yellow, and the red cards. That's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. All right. Speaking of star students, I want to give a shout out to a couple of students who have taken my essay boot camp class this summer that comes from Isabella and Noah. Here's what Isabella had to say after taking the class. This class not only benefited me, but my writing as well. I learned that a simple idea can be broken down into a whole essay. I feel accomplished, and now all I have to do is press send in November. <laughs> I just love that she said that, and she actually wrote that down in her testimonial, because that is true. You leave the camp feeling like, oh my goodness, such a load has been taking off, um, and now she can enjoy senior year. Here's what Noah had to say. I feel really accomplished that I finished six essays in four days. My essays are so much different from day one than day four. I can see a picture in my mind when I'm reading it. I feel ready to turn these in because I feel really confident in what I've done and what you helped me to do. Ah, thank you, Noah. That means the world to me and to everyone who was, has been helping in the boot camps. All of our essay coaches are amazing. Okay, so before I let you go today, do you know the story of how I got admitted to college? Honestly, if it wasn't for my mother taking me to meet Mr. Vargas, I'm not sure where I'd be. He told me what to do, how to fill out my application, and encouraged me that I could go to college. Well, that's all I needed. Today, my only goal in life is to become the Mr. Raul Vargas for millions of students across the country, just like he was for thousands at USC. Why do I do this? Because I believe that public school students deserve private school advice. And trust me, I've seen a thing or two on the private side. So we are on a mission to give away 1 million ebooks to your families or people that you know. I want you to think about 
who you know that maybe is a PTA mover and shaker, a school district leader. Um, I want you to think about organization change makers. And then you want to really ask them to register for the 1 million free books giveaway. Or better yet, you can probably actually just go in and nominate them yourself or send them the link. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the website, drcynthiacolon.com. Let me spell that for you. D-R-C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-C-O, L like Larry, O-N like Nancy.com forward slash the number one capital M like Mary or million followed by the word free books. That's drcynthiacolon.com forward forward slash one M free books. Okay. It's easy to sign up and we will do the rest literally. Students and parents will have access to download either the English or the Spanish version or both of the book, Be Committed, Get Admitted. And it will be followed by a series of strategic tips and practical to-dos as they read the book. Imagine having the gift of a personal guide every step of the way. So again, go to the registration page yourself to nominate the school district or organization. And it's drcynthiacolon.com forward slash one capital M free books. That's one million free books. There you go. Be sure to register today. That is all for you today. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to Destination University. I'm Dr. Cynthia Colon. If this episode has in any way fueled or inspired you, please share this episode with three people in the next 30 minutes. I'll be sure to see you next week, same time, same place. Until then, wherever you are, may you have a happy and sunny day. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening this week to Destination University. Be sure to join Dr. Cynthia Colon again and get one step closer to your success. 